Welcome, this is Dirt to Dollars, hosted by your local county extension agents, where we talk everything agriculture. Welcome back to another edition of Dirt to Dollars. This is the week of August the 24th, and we are dog days of summer. We're hitting it hard, I think. We're getting close to... The end is in sight. I know. (laughs) So we're good. Uh, Got with me today, Daniel from Lurie County and Matt Hardin County. How are you guys this morning? Doing good. Howdy, howdy, howdy. I, in full disclosure, am first day of schooling it with my kids virtual. So I'm going to forewarn anybody that hears a kid in the background. It is what it is. It's the world we're living in. We have learned that the Carmen household runs a tight ship when it comes to (laughs) schooling at home. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm impressed. Hey, uh, you got to do what you got to do. They've had a free ride for six months. So Uh, we're, uh, there ain't no slacking going on there. Don't you, don't you worry Breckenridge County school system. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well it is it's it is i will say this in full just you know just out there put it out there you know teachers are doing what they can you know this is not something that we all wanted to do you know if i had my own opinion of it i'd i'd want my kids back in the school system but it is what it is and teachers are making the best of it parents are making the best of it so we're just trying to give each other grace and 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 roll with it the best we can so uh yeah <laughs> so if I am in tears by the end of the day, I'll text you guys and be like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> We're really just all kind of out here winging it, aren't we? Uh, isn't that yeah, kind of a common so. theme yep. for 2020? It is. 2020, absolutely. just wing it. <laughs> yep. Man, we for should real. make that a t-shirt. Hey, let's make it a t-shirt. That can be our podcast t-shirt. <laughs> That's going to be my ch- my new chicken farm, my new chicken farm slogan. Just wing <laughs> So it. Yeah. are you getting in the chicken business? Let's. I don't know. <laughs> I heard there was some some listener feedback last week that apparently yeah my there was some disagreement. My cost of production is a little bit high. <laughs> yeah, the Larue, the Larue County High School Ag Department said ten dollars a dozen is a little high. They don't think it costs that much. They actually said maybe your electric fence is the reason that uh, your costs are a little high. It's that depreciation expense, man. It'll get you every That's time. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, like I said, I think that you probably, you know, you can have the, are you raising high end chicken eggs or are you raising just the run of the mill? You know, it, it all varies. You know, there's always a gourmet. Cost in there. <laughs> gourmet. <laughs> My thing is I would be interested to see how many eggs I could produce for how little money. Like, what yeah. can I get by with? It'd be like yeah. my sheep operation. <laughs> what can <laughs> yeah. I do for how little Dang. I could spend? How many mm-hmm. things can I scrap together? You can go the other way. So uh, a fellow listener here, uh, farmer in Hardin County, Patrick Preston, we send each other pictures of our chicken eggs all the time. He oh. sent me one a couple weeks ago that looked like a goose egg. I swear he stole a goose egg somewhere and took a picture of it. Wow. It, uh, so, so we've declared we have, you know, you've got corn wars was the popular thing uh-huh. there for a while. Now we've got chicken wars. So we're seeing how, how big of an egg we can grow. And I pulled into his That's farm funny. the other day and he was mixing chicken feed and he like started hiding bags all of a sudden. He didn't want me to see what he was throwing in there. But. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, I've got a neighbor down here that she raises chicken. She's got, I don't know what all kind of breeds of chicken. She's got all kinds, but her eggs, when she was during March, April, when we were all stuck at home, she would 
deliver eggs. You know, that was kind of her neighborly thing that she was doing and her eggs were beautiful and they were hard. I mean, they had thick, you know, they were good eggs and I have no idea. There's no telling how much money she spends in feed. And, Oyster you know, shells. Care of them. Yeah. I you guess. can tell when you don't put them in there because then the, the shells all fall yeah. apart. So I'm all about a good, good egg. So there we go, Daniel. Maybe uh, maybe the Larue County eggs, the, the the shells fall apart and crack real easy. Must be. It's about a quality product. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're in to, to August. Um, yep. It's been a foggy August. Yeah, I noticed that yesterday morning was really foggy for us over here. So do y'all know what that means? Uh, I don't. Go ahead. <clears throat> I'll shoot you down. I'll so let you get it out. Back first, in my so. back when I used to work in, in sales at Celia Farm Service, we always have some old farmers who would share their their stories. And I can remember the the Dupin brothers would come in and uh Melvin especially, Melvin Dupin, he would say, you know, for every fog in August means there'll be a snowfall. And really? we've had a lot of fogs in August. But aren't we here's the part where I shoot you down. <laughs> hey, you're not shooting me down. I don't this this is this is a lot of old farmers that, that know that same. Don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> uh, aren't we foggy most mornings in August? It feels like most of the time in August we have foggy mornings. Well, but why are we foggy? Because it's humid. Moisture. Yeah. What is snowfall? It's, it's moisture. It's moisture. Okay. Well. Yeah. But just because you have moisture in August doesn't mean you're going to have moisture in December. Well, and here, here's here's another. I'll add on to that. We are in the most active weather pattern we've been in in a long time, like in the last ten years, is what they're saying. As far as you know, look. When we'll talk about it here in a little bit, as far as the hurricanes are concerned, but they've already gone halfway through their alphabet this year, and you know, it's, it's looking wet. So maybe there is a little bit of truth to that, but also maybe a little bit of scientific background behind yeah, it too. I don't know. I think, I think the thing is, is that it's cyclical, right? Yes. So yes, typically what's going on now is going to be representative of what will go on in a few months from now. Mm -hmm. um, let me give you some of these other weather sayings because they kind of follow the same thing yeah. so another one is if the weather if the first week in august is unusually warm the coming winter will be snowy and long first week august on the other side was of cool that, here wasn't it yeah if yeah. if a cold august follows a hot july it foretells a winter hard and dry so it was hot in july and the first week of august was cool so everything um, you just said contradicts itself. it all just contradicts <laughs> itself right so basically, who the heck knows when it happens, it'll happen, right? So I think the main thing is, is you want to be that you kind of pick which one you want to go with. And then three months from now, either everybody's going to forget what you said, or you can say, see, I said that all those fogs in August meant it was going to snow and it snowed. So there you go. Well, what about woolly worms? What are you all, what is your all's uh, thought process on that? That's always seems to be the talking point of conversation when you get to talking wives tales for woolly winter. worms are just, just like everything else. I mean, I do think there's a little bit to it. Maybe some kind of somehow the weather affects how they get striped, but still, are you going to remember who said what the, I saw a brown one the other day. So you I all mark it down. That's I saw a, a solid there's my call. I saw a solid <laughs> black one yesterday. Yep, me too. Me too. So, so two to one, your, your woolly worm was wrong. 
go home, Brown. Willy Worm, you're drunk. <laughs> Do you know how many times I said that to 2020 this year? Uh, Good Lord. Yeah. And you know what? That's the thing is, you know, speaking of just crazy things that are happening and the weather events, you know, the, Laura's coming up and the, there's another Who? Laura, Who's the Laura? hurricane, okay. Laura, the hurricane. And there's another one too. Is it, was it Marco? Hello. <laughs> there's another one that's supposed to be Marco. merging. Yeah. Well, I'd heard a little bit about that, the other, but now it seems like last couple of days, all you hear about is the main one, Laura yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So I, I what think, happened to the other one? I think it's just kind of fizzling out, but see, she's apparently that hurricane is gaining strength and they're expecting it to maybe be a category four or so when it hits. And so they're expecting our area to get some rain widespread rain which in yeah. you know eastern and central kentucky i think they're going to be really happy about that but and typically in the august we're praying for a hurricane rain. to come through to get rain to finish the beans yeah and we're sitting pretty good i mean it's not i'm not gonna turn it down but we're sitting pretty good right now yeah, yeah. that and then also it's a perfect time for stockpiling too so or well for anything that you need some rainfall for you know we mm -hmm. don't always you know, I guess it's not a hundred percent that it's going to rain for us, but I think the odds are very, very much in our favor to get some decent rainfall. And I'm sure, you know, through towards the end of this week, what is it? Friday and Saturday, I think is when it's supposed to get here. I think starting Thursday is starting Thursday. So anybody listening to us on the radio, maybe yeah. a little too late, but if you're listening to the podcast, it'd be good you'll know what you should have done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's one of the things that shoulda, coulda, woulda. But I do so, think that they're supposed to get some rain. So yeah, get out there. It's an opportunity to get some uh, some nitrogen on on some fall pastures. Uh, and I mean, urea is cheap right now. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. uh, we're still pretty cheap compared to to where we have been in years past. So it makes it pretty economical. But I always like to put the caveat out there too that you know look at what your other alternative feed costs are too and yeah. it could be that paying for that nitrogen fertilizer and putting if you don't need high quality feed like stockpiled fescue and you've got a barn full of good grass hay that'll get your cows through for the winter it might not be economical to go out there and, and spend the money on that so just weigh it in your pers personal situation but but yeah we're not we're not faced right. with, with this opportunity every year. So, And then another yeah. thing, I mean, it's also the time of year if you want to put out some grass seed. So if you've, yeah, you know, if you're wanting to thicken up a pasture or, or, or put some seed in a hay field, it's, it'd be a good time to get that out before this rain too. Cause that can be a good soaking rain like that to really get it going this fall. If things are dry enough to do that, I, yeah, and there's I mean, a lot yeah. of areas in the county right now that it's probably not dry enough to get a drill across the ground. I mean, it's going to be yeah, a little tacky still. And especially with grass seed, that's what, what we see a lot of times on uh, failed forage seedings is, is getting that seed too deep. Uh, and with a lot of these quote-unquote rental drills, I guess, that's uh, if the ground's a little wet, it's hard to keep them out of the ground enough to uh, be able to do a good job and get a consistent depth. So talking about weather, have you all seen the damage from the derecho storms? We've talked about this before, but it seems like so, it's. Yeah. And it seems like over the last week we were, you know, you started seeing a few more pictures and, and videos and stuff. And 
Yeah, I know Whitney and I kind of watched a video mm -hmm. that was put up on YouTube a couple of days ago of, yeah. a, of a, I guess, quote unquote, YouTube farmer that kind of mm -hmm. took a little tour through that area and videoed, you know, his journey across Iowa. And that really, I knew it was bad, but that opened my eyes to how bad that was. It was when you drive a whole day and it's damaged the whole day. Yeah. And then talking with the farmers, you know, he had several interviews and, you know, it's interesting. He asked one of the guys, I think he was a hog farmer at Iowa. Of course he had some grain crops too. He said, you know, how did you, he said, when did you figure out it wasn't a tornado? Yeah. And he was like, I was in there for 30 minutes. Tornadoes last a couple of minutes. And yeah, then gone. He said, I was in there for 30 minutes. He said, I thought it was a tornado for the first two minutes. Then I yeah. said, wait, tornadoes don't last that long. Yeah. And that's, that's what kind of, I mean, that kind of took me away when you mm -hmm. think about, uh, you know, being in a tornado like setting that lasts for 20 or 30 minutes. That's just crazy yeah. to me. Whew. Uh, I, and just, just the bin damage, the grain bin damage that you see. And, and they talked about on that video, you could see trails like through the soybeans where it was just like a road through the soybeans where a mm -hmm. bin blew over and may have rolled a quarter mile or something across the, across the soybean field. It's just crazy. Yeah. It is. It's, it's, it's nuts. We're lucky. I think that we didn't get what they got, you know, that's, and those people are today saying they're lucky because it could have been a lot worse than what it was yeah. really. And, and seeing, uh, some of the damage on there, uh, just how flat the corn was. I know they made a, made a comment about you could watch a dog walk across a, a section of, of corn out there or a quarter section or whatever. Uh, and watch him walk all the way across it, a corn that was 12, 14 feet tall two weeks ago. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So. Speaking of crazy. Yeah. Y'all catch the finale of Yellowstone. <laughs> That's right. That I was, was pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to do I'm any not, spoilers for anybody. Yeah. That escalated quickly is what my husband said. <laughs> Cause we had literally just sat there for a little while and we're kind of like, and I'm not going to say how many minutes or anything, but just for a little while. Cause this whole season has been a little bit of a, if you're watching it, it's more lead up than it is anything. And then it was like the last, you know, the last episode was like, Whoa. Yeah. Okay. It hasn't been as intense as some of the past ones were, but it's like right. just enough towards the end to kind of keep you on keep the edge of your seat. Mm -hmm. So the question is, is, do you think that they've already got next season lined out and taped and filmed since, you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic? I think I saw the other day where they had already filmed. What is this season three that just finished up? Yep. Yeah. So I think they already had filmed season four prior to March. And mm -hmm. I saw a thing the other day where, uh, they were looking for like some extras and stuff. Like they were fixing to start, filming season five already so okay so i am a woman and i have something to say because <laughs> you know if anybody watches yellowstone and they're female they're automatically gonna say well rip is 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 it okay so there was some pictures floating around the internet this week about how he does not look anything like he does in real life Okay. So I mean that by saying 
the my husband and I literally argued he said you've seen him in other movies before and I'm like I have never seen this actor in my entire life he said no he doesn't look the same he's like redheaded and skinny and then he's he's buffed up and got black hair in the show and the beard and, for, and has a beard and he is a totally different human being uh, much better looking human being uh but it's just interesting to see how a character is is evolved you know you would you would have never I would have never thought that but anyway i just Harry, my two my two cents on characterization and well, well here's, sure here's another probably looks a little different too your tater <laughs> whatever name is. He probably looks a little different in real life too they they it's, do that's what they do they they're actors do. they're supposed yeah. to I'm, i didn't Gosh. understand why people why that made such an internet uproar because that's what they do they're <sighs> actors they look different. yeah but along it's the same he's, lines what's he's so nice looking that's why what's impressive to me did you all know that uh the lady that plays Beth Dutton's Australian. If oh, she you ever is. Hear her like in an off-camera interview, you would never think it was the same person. She was in all of the uh, Sherlock Holmes movies. She was home, whichever one that's not the one that's married. The the not crazy one, not um, uh, what's his name, Downey Jr. That his cohort. He's her. There, it's his, she's married to him in that movie. Jude Law. So she's in all of those movies. Uh huh. Jude right? Law. There you go. Yeah. Man, where'd that yeah. come from? Man, every now and then I get something right. But you know who never does look different is Kevin Costner. He looks I know the same it. in every movie that he's been in the last twenty five years. Yep, sure does. And yeah, that's true. Like he's never been in a movie where he gets a bunch of you know like cosmetic makeup or anything yep. like that. It's it's just him or nothing. Yeah, it's it's been it. I I enjoyed this season. Like I said, I'm now I'm kind of on the edge of my seat, waiting to see what happens uh, for next season, but. You know, tune in. It's it's a pretty good show. You got to watch it. Like I said, you got to be able to handle a little bit of foul language and some crazy stuff that happens. But uh, I, overall, it's a really good plot. So uh, back a little bit about kind of the ideal weather conditions deal. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, crop conditions came out again yesterday, and it looks like kentucky was one of the only states kind of in our significant area you know the corn belt and i guess what they'd call the eastern corn belt and kind of mid-south that uh either held or improved crop condition ratings last mm -hmm. week and i believe we have the highest uh we're once again the highest good to excellent ratings in corn and soybeans uh in the nation i think mm -hmm. yeah i'm getting questions too you know kind of what i'm expecting yields to be across the my county anyway you know i, I think they're going to be up i just i can't there's too much you know everything averages <sighs> out but you know it's it's one of those things it's like do you go ahead and kind of stick your neck out and say we're going to have a you know 10 you know 10 bushel yield bump or do we you know i don't and know that's and that's the tough thing right now because with everything going on in the world right now, we've got yeah, some market. <laughs> well, but we've got some market rallies and you've got some potential to market mm -hmm. right there. Uh, yeah. And you hate to oversell it, uh, but you hate for to miss these opportunities on some extra bushels that might be out there as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, just get out and walk your fields is the biggest thing. And I, I've talked to some of my farmers that were a little disappointed early on about, mm -hmm. you know, you look at kernel counts in corn. And uh, so what is it the in the earlier growth development stages? It's a whole lot earlier than you'd think when that corn plant decides how many uh, kernel rows it's going to put on. Mm -hmm. And if you remember when most of this corn was in that 
that time period we kind of went through a drought so you're not seeing big girthy ears like we like you usually would but uh so the kernel counts aren't really there but you get out now and and pull some of those 14 and 16 around ears and you Mm -hmm. pull them and you're like man this is 18 or 20 around and you count it and it's 14 or 16 so yeah uh i i think kernel size is going to be something that really fools us this year uh and that's going to be the the telltale sign yeah and then we've got this little uh this little wild card called southern rust that came in and you never know how much that's going to take off yeah and and we're even seeing it in fields that were sprayed with fungicide but was it there at some level before the fungicide Mm -hmm. was sprayed or did it come in after the residual was gone off of the fungicide did it come in late enough that it's not going to hurt the crop and Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of wild cards with that disease there yeah. Matt, I, you sound a little funky today. You got a little. You're not um, supposed to notice that. Yeah. You sound. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> you sound, it's not, it's, it's better than Daniel a while ago but when we were trying to get our audio set up and he sounded like uh, the guy from the Green Mile. <laughs> <laughs> I still think but we should have went with it and recorded like that. <laughs> but you do have, but you do sound like you're, you're struggling and you, you have a little health scare there. Oh, I've picked up something from the little tiny germ factory that wanders mm. around my house. So. Well, I, you know, we, <laughs> part of having kids and that's, that's kind of tough with, with everything going on. But I mean, people are still going to get sick. You're still yeah. going to catch cold. That yeah. And, well, and that allergies. Yeah. Yeah. My next, I was going to say, and I don't know about you all, but I spent Friday um, at a, at a farm visit that, they didn't have, you know, they're working on, you know, doing some renovation and they have quite a bit of ragweed in their pastures. And of course we rode through it and I mean, it was just blown up. And so over the weekend I was stuffy and couldn't breathe and, you know, well, can't breathe anyway. So. so I felt horrible Saturday and Sunday and we had a little breakdown on a, on a round baler that while it was mm-hmm. wet, we needed to get it taken care of. And so mm-hmm. worked in the dust and dirt and, chaff mm-hmm. and everything all day saturday and sunday so that didn't help anything yeah well like i said at least it's just allergies it's one of those things I, you kind of are afraid to <laughs> <laughs> you know if you're like me i'm afraid to cough or sneeze or That's do anything exactly i'm afraid somebody's right. gonna go what's wrong with you well, and so. you get you get your sinuses so blocked up that you can't smell or taste and then you're like well <laughs> yep is that had a, that happen over the weekend? <laughs> Maybe you did, did really you, go, you Oh it? gosh! So you piled some pepper on something, and then it finally. Yeah, so I just put a bunch of pepper. I had soup for supper Saturday night, I guess, and just uh, poured the black pepper to it, and thought, well, this will open me up. Took a couple bites, like I'm not tasting that, and your mind kind of starts to wonder. And two or three, uh, two or three bites later, it clears you out, and then all of a sudden your mouth is on fire. Like, nope, mm-hmm. I'm good. Yeah. So speaking of soups and, you know, food, is it too early for chili? Yes. I know it is, but I really am craving. I mean, I like chili and I don't, I don't, I won't turn a bowl away if somebody gave it to me, but I'm not going to make any till it gets a little Um, cooler out. If it wasn't going to be 90 degrees this week, then maybe, but I just am, I I guess I'm kind of wishing for some fall weather, I guess that's my, I don't like to wish anything away, but. Man, we I think had I'm a, a little bit ready for the crock pot week, for some of that. Ago. Yeah, we'll taste. We'll taste. I'll probably do a pot roast this week, though. I am. I am probably going to do something like that. As much as we're what, running, what day? we're 
Um, actually, if I can Daniel's get to it, <laughs> if I can, if I can get it in the crock pot uh, here in the next, I don't know, thirty minutes or so, we'll have it tonight for supper because we got we got baseball practice, so it'll be later when we get home. It'll have plenty of time to cook. So, talking about fall coming up, uh, that brings in kind of a new season to uh, something a little non-traditional, I guess, for us here on this show, uh, talking about the outdoors a little bit and, mm-hmm. and fall hunting season. Uh, we have a special guest with us now to talk a little bit about food plots. Today, we have with us uh, Adam Huber. He is the Extension Agent for Ag and Natural Resources in Allen County, and he is kind of a guru of wildlife food plots and everything outdoors. In fact, there's several times I've reached out to him to ask questions on things that I'm not necessarily familiar with, and we're really glad to have you with us today. How are you, Adam? Doing great. How are you all? Good. Doing all right. Doing good. good so since, you, since you're an Extension Agent, and you've you know got a few years under your belt we we generally ask this from agents uh what is what's the craziest uh, phone call or question you've gotten as an extension agent man i don't know it's hard, sometimes it's hard to narrow it down to one if you can't narrow it down to the best you know just a good one would be it is the, i don't know this one lady called and, and asked me it's kind of funny she had two questions so one of the questions was she had a, a limb that it fell out of her tree or that died. She said it died. And so I said, okay. Um, so, you know, what, tell me what it looks like or whatever, you know, and I'll tell you what I think about it. She, and, you know, I could possibly come out and, and check it out. She said, well, it turned brown and it fell out of the tree. Then I ran over with the lawnmowers. I don't know. But, okay. So you ran it over with the lawnmower, but you want me to come out and look and see. But it was just the one limb that fell out of the tree that and then she ran it over with the lawnmower, so she didn't know. And then she asked me, Well, I got a bunch of squirrels in my yard and uh I don't really know why they're there. I was like, Well, do you have uh like a a nut tree, like a hickory tree or something like that in the yard. She said, no, I don't have anything in my yard. Um, she said, but you need to tell me what these swirls are eating because I don't know what they're eating. So that was kind of a weird one. She didn't know what the squirrels were eating in her yard. But. Well, I was I was just on a tree visit this last week. And uh, as I'm, I have my mask on and keeping my social distance, and, and it was obviously it was an oak tree that <laughs> yeah. was going through a oak look to be oak decline, which is, is pretty common here in, in, especially in central Kentucky. And as I'm sitting here and talking, I feel something just kind of brush the top of my head, go down by my nose and down into my mask. Oh, and I, I knew it was a bug and I went to swat at it and I swatted the bug right down my throat. I mean, it didn't go like to my teeth or to my tongue. It went right down my throat. So as I'm saying, Oak, I'm going, Oak, Oak, and, and just, and just, Every bit of me wanted right. to just vomit right there. I mean, I just had to spit it out, but I couldn't because I had my mask on. <laughs> so I just played it off and I coughed and I told her, I was like, I'm pretty sure I just ate a bug. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, oh, nope, not your fault. So I guess I don't have to eat lunch now. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'll tell you, this, this is the one I was trying to think of. It happened the other day, just last week. So this, this guy calls and says, he called early in the morning. And he said, I got a blue spruce that I'm, it's needles are turning brown. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's wrong with it. And I told him what 
could possibly be wrong with it. And then I said, I can just come out this afternoon after lunch and, and take a look at it, you know. He said, okay. And and I got bit, uh, busy doing some, some of my wildlife videos, actually. And uh, it was about about one fifty, and he calls. He's like, Are "You gonna you still gonna come out this afternoon?" I'm like, "Yeah," because I'm about to finish up my video here, and I'll leave about two o'clock. And he said, "Well, it's about three o'clock here already, so I was just wondering, you know, why where you's at?" And that kind of threw me off. It's three o'clock there. Like, okay, maybe he's wrong or something. I don't know. And uh, I said, "Well." Uh, so I'm mm -hmm. about to leave. So tell me, give me your address again, and and I'll head that away. He he names off Crestwood Drive. I was like, I don't know where Crestwood Drive is. At. I was like, can you tell me like where that's at? He's like, yeah, you go down by the downtown, then you make a left and you go this way and whatever. I was like, really? I was like, Are you in? Right? He's like, no, nah, I'm in Fort Wayne, <laughs> Indiana. He said, yeah, I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I was like, well, I'm in South Central Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> he said, well, he said, I thought you didn't sound like you're from northern Indiana. <laughs> and apparently that, that town at Fort Wayne is in Allen County, Indiana. And he called County, Kentucky extension office. <laughs> yeah, we have a Grayson County, Kentucky, or Texas that we get calls about all the time. Well, LaRue yeah. County, luckily – LaRue County is the only LaRue County in the country. It's also the only Hodgenville in the country, so we don't get those yeah. calls. Yeah. We have a Hardin County, South Dakota, and a Hardin County, I Texas. I think there's a Hardin County, Georgia, time too. To time. There's a Hardin County, no, Grayson, Iowa, too. Grayson County, Texas has a lot of horses and a lot of – there They must be a big horse area because that's most of the time the questions that I get are when they call, and I'm like, are you sure you're <laughs> But that, that time zone thing is, I mean, especially for us uh, in LaRue, Grayson, and, and Hardin County, we, are all, we all border the time zone change. Mm -hmm. So I know that specialists and even, you know, our clients, it's always – we always have to make sure we're talking about the right time zone. The right time yeah. zone, Yeah. Yeah, but I thought that was funny. I was like, that's funny. <laughs> well, I guess we, yeah, go ahead, Matt. So, Adam, oh, so Adam, getting to uh, the food plot side of things, you know, we get a lot of questions in the extension office uh, because a lot of times people that hunt kind of general public, they're not really around agriculture right. a whole lot. And this food plot thing will be kind of their first exposure to agriculture. Mm -hmm. uh, just start out, what is a food plot? Why do, why do outdoor enthusiasts, why do they plant food plots? Why, why should you consider? That? Right. Yeah. And like you said, you know, most of your, most of your hunters uh, are not farmers and I don't mean that in a bad way. They just have not been around agriculture. And so they, they do need help from us here at the extension service. And so basically, you know, when you're planting a wildlife food plot, obviously you're wanting to attract animals into a certain area, whether that be, you know, farm, uh, in your backyard, whatever it may be, because when we're talking about wildlife, we're not just talking about one specific animal. You know, we're talking about deer, turkey, rabbit, squirrels, quail, dove, all of those species. And, you know, whenever we're talking about creating a wildlife food plot, uh, you basically, you know, the first thing you need to figure out is what kind of animals that you're trying to attract. And that's, you know, the first thing. And then after you figure that out, then you can get into what seed should I plant, when should I plant it, what time of the year. And, and so on um, but yeah when you're talking about wildlife food plots that's basically you know planting uh, forage species or grain species of 
and, and trying to attract those animals into a certain area is, is basically what we're talking about. So what are some of the, the species that you typically recommend uh, that people plant for the, yeah, I guess deer and turkey are the, are the two main ones that people are trying to attract in this area? Yeah, deer and turkey are, are in, in this part of the country are basically what we're trying to attract most of the time. And it really just depends on, so what I would say is you need to figure out what your goal is first. That's what your main interest is, figuring out what your goal is and when you want to attract these animals and what, obviously where you're going to attract them. Um, and then that's kind of how you figure out what you're going to plant. So we, we, have, we have warm season crops, we have cool season crops, we have perennials, we have annuals. And for those of the, those of you that don't know what that means, so an annual is a crop that is that grows for one growing season. So you're going to get one year out of that. So you'd say plant it in the spring, and it's going to mature in the fall, and and that's what an annual is. So a perennial would be a, a species that you're going to plant that's going to grow for for two to three years and longer. And so that would be something that would be like a clover, you know, things like that, alfalfa. Those are what your perennial crops would be. Um, you get into warm season and cool season crops. Those are those are different as well. So your warm season is whenever you plant in the spring, it grows through the, the warm season in the summer, and then it matures in the fall. So that would be like your soybeans, your corn, your sorghum, stuff like that. So your cool season crops would be what you'd plant during the, the fall, the cool season. So that would be alfalfas, your clovers, wheat, brassicas, and things like that. So that's what's the that's the difference between your cool season, warm season, annuals, and perennials. Now, when we get into talking about what we should plant, <clears throat> it depends on when you're wanting to attract those animals. So, really, you'd want to, depending on the size of the the area that you got to work with, uh, you know, you want to. If you can, you want to keep those those animals coming in all year long. This is what your main goal would be. Um, so you definitely want to plant, you know, a warm season like soybeans, corn, sorghum, millet, cowpeas, lab lab, buckwheat. What'd you say? Those are blab lab 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 lab. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all warm season crops that you can plant, uh, you know, and and hold those feed those animals throughout the summer. But see, one thing about planting, um, you know, warm season crops is obviously during the summertime, we have a lot of natural browse and a lot of green up. Mm -hmm. So they're not as dependent on those crops. Um, and of course, it just depends on where you're at in the country uh, as far as what kind of natural browse you have and, and, and so on. But if I was going to plant a warm season crop, I would recommend planting soybeans and corn and and or buckwheat those are all really good so with the only thing with soybeans if you've got three acres or less it's probably not a good idea to plant those because they're so attractive and so um you know they just really they're nutritious and they got a lot of protein and they really tend to flock to those soybeans you know and just like you know like in west same western kentucky you know there's so many deer out there and so many crops out there there's a lot of crop and yield yield loss due to I was, that i was gonna say yeah, we've had too. some decimated in grayson county that right i mean a herd right. of deer can can wipe out 40 acres pretty quick right 
Right. And, and, and like I say, with the soybeans, it depends on your deer population, you know, your deer density uh, as, as far as if you can plant those or not. So three acres or less, I would say no. You know, if you've got more than three acres, depending on your deer population, then soybeans is definitely what you'd want to plant. As far as your cool season crops go, alfalfa is really good and attractive, but alfalfa is very finicky. You know, you got to have a, you know, at least a 6.5 uh, pH level. You got to, you know, you got a lot of insects that attract to it. So you're going to have to uh, spray insecticides on it and it's so expensive. on. It's expensive. And it's, yeah, that, that it's, a, it's right. a very expensive crop to even get started. But if I had to pick one crop, if I couldn't plant anything else, it would be clover. Whether that be white clover, crimson clover, arrowleaf clover, whatever, I would, I, would, I would plant a clover. Now, there is a difference between your whites, white, say like Ladina clover and crimson clover, because one of those is a perennial. So, like we talked about a minute ago, annuals, you get one year out of that, and perennials, you're going to get, you know, three to six years out of, out of those. So, if you're looking at a low-maintenance uh, crop, you know, you probably want to look at uh, planting an annual. You're not going to have to do much with that. You know, you're going to plant it one in the either the fall or the spring, and it's going to grow throughout that season. You're not going to have to mow it or do anything like that to it. But with your with your perennial crops, say like white clover, you're going to have to mow that, you know, several times a year. You're going to have to keep it sprayed and, and different things uh, such as that. So those are, it depends on, you know, your, obviously one, your equipment, what kind of equipment you've got to work with and really the wheel, your willpower. Because if you've got the willpower, you can, you can do about anything you want to do and, and maintain, you know, whatever kind of crops that you, that you're planting. So most of the time, I know these food plots are going to go, either somebody took a dozer or a tractor and loader or something and cleared a spot in the woods or it's a little nook back in the woods. Uh, how important is a soil test in that particular situation? I know a lot of times you're extremely low fertility in those uh, those yeah. areas. So how, how important is taking a soil test in that? Yeah, soil testing is you want to, it doesn't matter if you've planted crops there for 10 years or if it's a brand new planting, you, you need to take a soil test. I like taking them every two years. Um, but if it's a, you know, if it's a new planting, definitely I would take them every, every, every year until you get your pH up to where you want it to be. As far as your pH level, most of your crops are a 6.0 and above. And really that 6.5 to seven is, is optimum. And that's, you know, that's another thing too. A lot of these times, a lot of times whenever we're talking about creating these food plots, they're in these low fertile soils, you know, these low fertile soil areas, such as, you know, uh, dozed areas in the woods, like you talked about and, and things like that. And maybe just a, a back four, back 20 acres of a row crop scenario where they, it's too wet or something that you can't really get in there and, and plant row crops. And so, those tend to usually have uh, low pH levels. And then with low pH levels, as you all know, it comes the weeds. And so that's another thing you got to take into consideration is uh, whenever you get that low pH level, if you don't apply the right, you know, the right nutrients, lime and fertilizer and all that stuff, um, you're going to have weed pressure. You're going to have a lot of broom sage probably because that's what my farm's full right. of. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. You're gonna have a lot of problems. So getting that pH level up, you know, to at least a six point oh to six point six point five is is optimum for most crops. You know, that's definitely a must. And I would definitely recommend taking soil tests every year until you get it there. And then after that, every other every other year, every two year, two three years. So we talk about the the food or you know the feed aspect of a food plot. Um, is is there also a need for like um, bedding or nesting areas is that something that we take into consideration yeah that that fits into like an overall habitat improvement plan and so you know obviously deer or wildlife or lot are just like humans they got to have food water and shelter right and so whenever you're looking at a property if you've got one or two or all of those things missing then we're, we're definitely gonna have to do some work Creating those bedding and nesting areas for your deer, your turkeys, your quail, whatever, that's very important because those those animals need to feel safe. They need to have a place to go uh, to get away from predators such as humans or, you know, bobcats, coyotes, foxes, things like that. Because um, when we talk about turkeys, they're pretty much uh, a prey for everything. So everything tries to hunt them. You know, bobcats, coyotes, foxes, humans, everything. Raccoons, possums, all of those try to get turkeys, whether it be the actual turkey itself or its eggs or what, you know, the, the nest that the eggs are in or whatever. Um, turkeys are really, uh, creating turkey habitat is very, I think it's one of the most important things here in Kentucky anyway, that we can do just because, like I say, everything tries to hunt them. And um, so whenever we, whenever we create those areas, you know, we're talking about planting native grasses, talking about planting evergreen trees uh, and things such as that, uh, creating hinged bedding areas, hinge cuts. And for those of y'all that know, may not know what a hinge cut is, basically that's going and, and cutting a tree about halfway through, letting it lodge over, letting it fall over. And then that, that tree's still gonna stay alive and then the, the leaves are gonna still uh, come back every year and it's, it's going to create uh, a, a good bedding habitat. All right. So I just learned something. I just learned something new here. The farm that I own hadn't really been that, hadn't had anything done to it for a long time. And I went through the woods and it's just kind of doing a little survey what all I got there. And there's all kinds of trees cut like that. So now it makes sense. Yeah. I wish they didn't cut the white oaks like that. I don't think maybe they're cutting right. the best trees. That, that's, that's, a, that's what that's they a very important. That's very, that's a very important thing that you just said. Whenever you're doing a hinge cut, you do not want to cut the trees that are valuable. You don't right. want to cut your, your walnuts, your you know anything like that. You want to cut the gum trees and, and all those nasty ones that really are not worth a darn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know when you do those hinge cuts, definitely want to want to do that. But like I say, uh, you know creating those bedding areas that's going to give those animals a safe place to go, and uh, and creating a sanctuary that's a, that's very important as well. I mean, a, a sanctuary or a bedding area can be called the same thing, but a sanctuary would be where you go in and you create your bedding area or maybe already created for you, and you just don't go in there. You don't go in there maybe one time a year. That way those animals have a place that they know there's no, going to be no intrusion. And Because um, especially, you know, if you've got, a, just say, a smaller property and you've got neighbors around you that, say during hunting season, they shoot everything that walks. 
and if you if those animals know that on your property there's a place they can go and stay and not be bothered at all then they're gonna you're gonna hold you're gonna attract and hold more animals uh whenever you have a sanctuary would you have to wear a mask at this sanctuary <laughs> all right adam real quick before we have to uh, wrap it up pardon my pun but we didn't get to go in the weeds too deep here uh on this subject but i understand you have some videos out there that you've put together to kind of walk folks through uh some more of these details that are are they on youtube or where can folks find them? yeah so you can go on youtube and you can also go on the allen county uh agriculture natural resources extension uh facebook page and i do have links to those videos on there um and i've got videos i've got uh three videos up so far and i'm actually working on one today um i've got one on uh, food plot herbicides i've got one on creating wildlife habitat I've got one on creating the bedding and nesting areas for wildlife and then also food plot seed options. So all can so are, are are those on under Allen County Extension Service on YouTube? They're, they're, what's the name of the channel? Whenever you go to YouTube, if you just type in um, wildlife so my video series that I'm doing is called Wildlife Wednesdays. Okay. And if you type in Wildlife Wednesdays on YouTube, that should pop up and then you can find it on there, but if not, you can go to uh, Allen County A and R YouTube channel. All right, good deal. All right, Adam. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today. I think that's a lot of good information that our our uh, mm-hmm. our farmers and and even even homeowners and and hunters in the area can use. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. No problem. I thank thank you guys for guys and gals for uh, having. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, don't be All a stranger. Right. We'll see you. Yep. Thanks, thank Adam. Bye bye. All right. Well, a great interview there with uh, Mr. Adam Huber down in Allen County. We want to thank him again for coming on. Uh, one thing that I kind of forgot to mention while we were uh, on there with him, of course, we ran quite a few soil tests uh, for we wildlife food plots through this mm-hmm. office. I don't yep. know if you all we do. do or not. We do a lot. Uh, kind of one, I guess, a little pet peeve that I have that uh, it seems like when people bring in soil tests for these food plots. A lot of times they don't know what's going in them. Uh, it's a whole lot easier for us to give you a good soil test recommendation if you know beforehand yes. what species you're putting in that food mm-hmm. plot. So if it's going to be a clover or any kind of a legume or whatever, if even if you just know you're going to plant legumes in, mm-hmm. the, in that food plot, then then tell us that when you bring it in. We have kind of a generic wildlife food plot uh section mm-hmm. or crop info i guess on there that we can put that down as uh but it's really not going to give you as accurate of a soil test recommendation as it would if you if you come in and know what that crop is going to be that you're going to plant in yeah. that plot so so try and do your homework kind of know what you're doing before you before you bring that soil test in and we can we can give you a whole lot more accurate yeah i would agree with that Every time I hear Adam's name, I think of because uh, his last name's Huber. Do you did you ever go to Hubert's Orchard in Indiana? Yeah, that's what I, I, I used to go there a lot as a kid. And uh, that's every time I hear his name, I make I was like, I wonder if he's related, and I didn't even ask him. 
it's a good time to have him on because I, I know I get all kinds of questions starting about this time, maybe a little bit earlier. Cause I do have a few folks that do it from year to year. Um, but there are a lot of those, it's a good opportunity for those that don't necessarily farm to get into the office and to kind of reach out to us. And I know he, he alluded to that and I don't know about you all, but I have a lot of people that come to my County to hunt and I have people that are really, you know, trying their best to manage the wildlife so that they can, cause it is, it's a, it's a money and it's a money Avenue uh, along with farming because we do have so many woodland areas around here. And I would say if you do have some hunters hunting on you, ask them to mm-hmm. take some does with them. Yes, please. That's yes. Right. Because we talk about decimation of of crops i mean you it is it's crazy to see how a herd of deer can mess up a field and yeah and we talked about wild cards Mm -hmm. and yield earlier i mean that could be that's something that i know a lot of people have said show show up when they put a yield monitor in the combine is you know they may have been growing 220 or 30 bushel corn in the middle of the field but by the time the deer ate the outside six or eight rows it pulls that field average down that may population control may be another topic for another day yeah and i I, you know i almost asked him about it but i thought i'm gonna that that could be a whole program in itself so we'll we'll leave that to another day but i I guess that's about all we got time for we are we've talked about a wide variety of things and i'm sure there'll be more things come up next week so uh, with that being said i will uh, guess we'll see you guys next week all right see you next week. week